It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Nowhere else can you find Carolina Panthers coverage. Monday through Friday here in a podcast form, except for right here on Locked on Panthers. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show on YouTube so you never miss a single live stream. If you do, that's okay. I make sure to post it on all the podcasting platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, or Stitcher. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single show of Locked on Panthers. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday, like today, I answer weekly Friday mailbag questions to participate in next Friday's weekly Friday mailbag, either at me at Julian Council, DM me at Julian Council, or leave a comment on any of the shows Monday through Thursday next week on Locked on Panthers over on YouTube. Just put Friday mailbag and your name there in the comment section. Now get to it next week here on Locked on Panthers. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this edition of the weekly Friday mailbag starting off. With Joey, he says, hey, Julian, love the show. Love you, Joey. Keep pounding. Do you think Sam Darnold can keep developing his scramble skills and stay healthy and string together an entire season like the first three games last year with five rushing touchdowns and a tiny glimpse of a Josh Allen-type quarterback? Wow, Josh Allen's gotten to the point after the last two years where we're now comparing or hoping that Sam Darnold can uh, turn into what he is now. Sam Darnold, who was drafted third overall in that draft, and Josh Allen, who was drafted a couple picks thereafter in the same division in the AFC East. And Josh Allen's turned into a fantastic player. And him and Sam Darnold are actually friends. And you hope maybe they spend some time together this offseason or will spend some time together this offseason, not just playing golf, but maybe Josh Allen teaching Sam Darnold how to play quarterback. Because we certainly would love that here in Carolina if we could get that kind of production that Buffalo's gotten. And the two will meet each other in week one of the preseason when Buffalo comes home to Charlotte. And I say home because there's a ton of Bills fans here in the area. It was one of the surprising things to start out last season, not the 3-0 start, but really Sam Darnold's rushing ability and the five rushing touchdowns that he had was an NFL record, I think, at that point in time in the season by a quarterback. And having Cam Newton all those years, Sam Darnold was the dual threat that we never really thought that he would be. Now, if you watch him in New York, he did show those glimpses of athleticism. I think it was a Thursday night game back in 2020 where he had a long touchdown run. So he's an athlete. He certainly is that. I don't know, though, if Sam Darnold can string together what he did in the first three games of last year over the course of a 17-game season. He's yet to show that at all in his first four seasons, whether it's been a 16-game schedule or a 17-game schedule. He hasn't stayed healthy. He hasn't protected the football and those are two things that are vitally important to keep up the momentum that he had there in the first three weeks of the season where he did still have turnovers in those games. So I, I have a hard time seeing uh, Sam Donald developing 
to the point where he can string together an entire season, like the first three games where he did rush five times uh, for touchdowns. So we'll see what happens, but I, I just don't really believe it. All right, moving on with Luke. <clears throat> he says, hey, Julian, hope you're doing well. Not stressing too much ahead of the Premier League final this Sunday, a finale. Yes, Liverpool, one point behind Man City, who hosts Aston Villa there at the Etihad Stadium on Sunday and Manchester. Steven Gerrard, a longtime Liverpool captain, is now the manager of Aston Villa, really hoping he can throw the lads a bone. He never had an opportunity to win the – he never won the Premier League as a – captain at Liverpool so maybe he can now deliver it as the manager's Aston Villa so we'll see how that works out as Liverpool has Wolves but I'm not too concerned because hell you've seen City play Liverpool had their chance should not have drawn against Tottenham or you know shouldn't have lost to Leicester and they wouldn't be in this situation but they are and also West Ham what the hell guys come on um either way on to the question if the Panthers treat this year for Matt Corral as a redshirt type season and Darnold starts the for the full season and underperforms as expected, putting us in the top five next year in the draft. Would you be content letting Corral start in 2023 and using the draft pick on someone like Will Anderson out of Alabama? 17 and a half sacks in 2021. You'd imagine the dude would be a beast this upcoming season, a top five pick, making him a great player to start opposite of Brian Burns. Huh? Well, it really depends. Like, again, Matt Corral, third round pick, 94th overall. The expectations for third round picks are not that high. And if there is a quarterback prospect next year, the Panthers are in position to draft, maybe like a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young. We'll see how their seasons go this upcoming fall there at Alabama and Ohio State, respectively. You might think that it makes a way more sense in a league where if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance to maybe go out there and get a first round caliber talent. We talked about Matt Corral slipping, whether it was off the field stuff or not. It, Matt Corral's a third round pick. The NFL told you how they felt about this quarterback class throughout the process, throughout the draft, and we saw three of those guys go in the third round because that's their talent level. Maybe they can rise above it. We've seen Russell Wilson do it. We've seen Kirk Cousins, and we've seen Dak Prescott do it in the fourth round. But really, if you look across the NFL, most of the starters are first-round picks, and that's how they were valued. Matt Corral was not valued that way. So now I'm not content at this point in time of just letting Matt Corral start in 2023. It depends on where they're sitting in the draft and who's there. Now, Will Anderson was the best player in college football last year. I understand that Bryce Young won the Heisman. The comeback against Auburn late cemented it for him. Playing for Alabama also really helped. But Will Anderson was the best player in Alabama. He was better than Aiden Hutchinson, who was the Heisman runner-up and had no business being in New York over Will Anderson. He was the most outstanding player in college football and because we're so caught up with quarterbacks and offenses, we continuously ignore these defensive players that also make massive impacts. He's the best player in college football, again, going into this upcoming season. And when you look at the NFL draft, depending on what the team needs there at the top, he could be the number one overall pick. It could be him, Young, Stroud. Those three right now look like they'd be the number one picks next year's draft. And of those three, the best player without question is Will Anderson. So if the Carolina Panthers could get him and have him opposite of Brian Burns, that would be outstanding, especially if Matt Corral shows leading up to the draft that he can end this season as well in a backup capacity that he can be the starting quarterback in 2023. If he doesn't show enough, then I have no problem with them going out there and getting someone who's actually valued as a top five type of prospect, which Matt Corral never was. All right, moving on with Blake. Hey, Julian, hope you are doing well. Hope you're well as well, Blake. I personally think that if we lose to the Giants this upcoming season, that will be Darnold's last game as a Panther. What game do you think will decide his future? I don't know if it's just one game. We go back to last year, what was it, week seven 
where Sam Darnold was benched in favor of PJ Walker on the road to Meadowlands. Just one of the most embarrassing performances that we have ever seen across 27 seasons here with the Carolina Panthers. He was terrible, and that was a string of terrible games following his excellent three-and-a-half game start to start off the season against the Jets and against the Saints, against the Texans in that first half against Dallas. After that, it was all downhill, and it coincided also with the offensive line playing terribly and Christian McCaffrey being out. But that's where the excuses end. Sam Darnold has not shown nearly enough for us to have much confidence in him heading into year five, even if it is under a better behind a better offensive line. And maybe McCaffrey healthy and Ben McAdoo, who could potentially help him out here this season. But as far as what game, I mean, the Giants game is what, week three for the Panthers? They have three of the first four games at home. I don't know if after three weeks the Panthers are going to be like, all right, pull the plug. He's clearly not the guy, especially if they're looking at Corral's a developmental player. Because after the first quarter of the season, I don't know if they're going to be ready just to roll him out there unless Darnold's just been absolutely brutal, then that may very well be the case. But I'm not going to look at one certain game and say it's going to decide his future. The entire totality of the season will decide his future here in Carolina. Much like last year, the way he played, that was going to decide his future had Carolina been able to successfully trade for Deshaun Watson or really convince Deshaun Watson that this was the proper landing spot for him. All right, let's take a quick pause here, then I'll answer more of your questions here on a Friday edition of the weekly Friday mailbag of Locked On Panther. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, let's get back to more of your questions here on this weekly Friday mailbag edition of Locked on Panthers. Again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council and either at me, DM me, or leave a comment on any of next week's shows Monday through Friday over there on YouTube to participate in next week's Friday mailbag. All right, Kyle, he says, hey, Julian, hello, how are you? I'm, as, I'm doing well, Kyle. Um, For Friday mailbag, which tight end do you have the most faith in on the roster to make those big plays and try to follow in the steps of Greg Olson? Wow. Uh, None, honestly. (laughs) Greg Olson is going to be a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know if he will get to that point, but uh, he was fantastic here in Carolina. It was a three straight thousand yard receiving seasons and the end of his career had the foot injury that really hampered him, but he was just a fantastic player for the Carolina Panthers and one of my favorite Panthers of all time. And it will eventually go up into the ring of honor hall of honor. I still don't know which it, what it's called, but it's, it's one of those two. Um, but as far as the guys on the roster, I'll go ahead and cross off Colin Thompson. I'll cross off Steven Sullivan. And it's going to come down to Ian Thomas, who is supposed to be the heir apparent to Rick Olson, but has yet to show that 
level of promise and consistency throughout his first four seasons here in Carolina. Now, Alpin McAdoo has a tight and heavy scheme, especially in the passing game going into this year. Maybe Ian Thomas, heading into year five, can be able to produce at that level. But if to answer your question, if I was going to choose anyone, it would have to be Tommy Trimble, who I love his athleticism. He's already an excellent run blocker, and I think he projects to be someone who could actually be a threat in the passing game. But to follow in the footsteps of Greg Olson and have multiple thousand-yard receiving seasons, I think it's too early to say that, especially when you look at the tight end position and just how it's one of those positions that takes the longest to find development, especially once they come to the NFL. But I like Tommy Trimble and think that he could – eventually be a really good player. And when the Panthers traded away Dan Arnold, that signaled in a way, obviously their need to want to bring in a corner, but also just that they had faith in Tommy Trimble, what he could develop into here in Carolina. And hopefully now in this offensive McAdoo, he can be a Greg Olson type for the Carolina Panthers this upcoming season and beyond. Uh, next up, Mike. Hey, Julian, big fan of the podcast. Big fan of you, Mike. Thank you for listening. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Panthers once again having only one primetime game on Thursday Night Football for a fourth season in a row? I think I saw someone point out that it's, what, week 10 at home against the Falcons that basically Amazon and the NFL were betting on that no one's going to care about the Panthers or Falcons by week 10, and that's why they're putting that game so late because it's like week two. I think the first – Thursday night game is the Chargers and the Chiefs. Typically early on in the season, they try to give them really good games. And of course, you get to Thanksgiving and they try to have a, a quality game there on Thursday after we have to suffer through the crappy Lions and Cowboys games that we are forced fed every single year of our lives on Thanksgiving. I honestly don't even watch the NFL on Thanksgiving anymore because I don't want to watch the Lions and I'm sick of the Cowboys getting all this preferential treatment when they have been dog crap my entire life. But I digress. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's a quarterback-driven league. The Panthers' quarterback is Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey is a fantastic player. He might be the face of the franchise. At least that's what the viewpoint was before the last two seasons when he was before he got injured and he was receiving that, that mega deal as a running back. But running backs, people aren't turning on the TV to watch running backs. They turn on TV to watch Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, they're turning on the TV to watch those guys, not turning on the TV to watch. Well, I mean, if you're watching a Titans game, I guess you're turning on to watch Derrick Henry. But as a national audience, are they like, yeah, Derrick Henry, if they're going up against Kansas City? No, they're there for Mahomes. Um, you're not really turning in the game uh, to watch a Vikings game for Dalvin Cook, even though maybe I guess he's better to watch Dalvin than Kirk Cousins or to watch Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Saints. And I'm now pointing out a lot of teams. I care. It seems like every team that has a high-priced running back, come to think of it, has a crappy quarterback situation. Well, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins is good. I don't care if you don't think he is, because he is. Um, he's not great, but he's good. A lot better than what we've had here recently. Um, Jameis, you know, 30 for 30, never forget. Here, terrible quarterback situation. That's interesting. And then Tannehill, he's been good for the Titans. He's not better than Kirk Cousins, but either way, you're kind of just having a mid-off there. Uh, but as far as that, like, they don't have a quarterback. The team has been terrible the last four seasons. Um, it's also located in Charlotte and the Panthers. Like, why would they be on primetime? When Cam was here and Cam was a figure that was just so controversial in terms of, like, you either loved him or hated him, I never will understand why people hated Cam. Well, I know why they hated Cam, but I'm not going to sit here and say it to you. It's 
barely obvious. Um, but still, like that was something that attracted audiences, attracted eyeballs, Cam Newton and who he was, his stardom, his personality. We don't have that kind of player on this roster right now. So, yeah, if I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm an NFL fan, no, I don't really want to watch the Carolina Panthers on Monday Night Football or on Sunday Night Football. So, no, I'm not surprised at all. That's what happens. When you're bad for four years in a row, you only get one Thursday Night Football game. And it kind of stinks that you're even required to have one. Like Detroit, I think, is the only team that doesn't have a primetime game at all. I'd rather have it that way. I'm totally fine with them playing at 1 o'clock every Sunday. As far as with me doing the podcast and my kind of routine I built there on Sundays, I'm totally fine with that. Thursdays, unless they're going to play a good team, I don't really need to play Thursday night football anyways. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. Uh, Alex, um, mailbag question. When Matt Rule is inevitably fired after the season, do you think they'll look in-house with ex-head coach, namely Steve Wilkes? And if you recall, Steve Wilkes was given an opportunity a couple years ago, and I'll put opportunity in quotes because he wasn't really given an opportunity, to go to Arizona, be the head coach there. They drafted Josh Rosen, who was not very good as a rookie quarterback that season. And after one year, he was fired, where then they brought in Cliff Kingsbury, who had a losing record and got fired at Texas Tech. They brought him in to be the head coach after a brief stint there as the OC at USC, where he never coached a game at USC there in Southern California. And then they drafted Kyler Murray. Steve Kime, who's their general manager, got a DUI. And this is all in part of the lawsuit. That Steve Wilkes has now joined with Brian Flores in claiming, um, claiming, uh, wow, God, can you think right now? Claiming, uh, what is it called? <sighs> Discrimination <laughs> in, uh, in workplace hiring in the NFL, especially when it comes to the head coaching ranks, as my brain just completely died on me there for a second. Um, so yeah, maybe Steve Wilkes gets an opportunity here in Charlotte. He's a local guy. It would be incredible to have a Charlotte native get an opportunity. The Panthers have never had a black head coach. Perry Fuel as the interim does not count at all. And he did a terrible job when he was the interim coach, especially when he benched Dante Jackson's like, dude, your job is not to bench a single young player on this roster. I don't care what he said, what he did, whether he respects you or not, you're going to be here for four more weeks. What are you doing? So, and now he's up in the league office with the officiating and all that kind of stuff. So whatever. Um, but maybe. And I'll, the way I look at it is, and I've, I've said this before, I say this as a black man, the NFL has shown time and time again that they're just not wholly concerned about or interested in hiring a lot of black coaches. And if the trend has been young, offensive play callers, and if you look at the NFL, not very many of those guys are black. Now you have Pep Hamilton there in Houston. He did a great job the last two seasons with rookie quarterbacks and Davis Mills in Houston last year and with Justin Herbert in um, LA. So maybe he gets an opportunity if that, Offense in Houston can elevate under uh, Mills again this upcoming season. Uh, he's also a Charlotte guy, so that'd be great if he got an opportunity. But he's also someone who said no to the whole OC job in Matt Rule. But if he wants to be head coach, maybe. Uh, Bry Byron Leftwich has done a great job down in uh, Tampa the last couple of years. And now he's going to have full control of that offense. And it's not just going to be Bruce Arians coming in and change up the game plan at the end. It's going to be his entire offense. So those are two guys who will have an opportunity uh, potentially in this upcoming coaching cycle, especially with Leftwich, to maybe get a job. He probably should have got, got in the job as well. And the enemy, so the enemy has been passed up many times. Maybe there's something more there. I have no idea. It's just kind of wild to me because at no point in time have you ever seen a coordinator who, matter of fact, was white in this situation and not get an opportunity. But the former guys behind him who had the job before him Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy both got opportunities and they both were fired at their respective places, but Peterson's head coach again, 
and won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. So I, I look at it as, yeah, Steve Wilkes will get an opportunity to interview because it gives the Rooney rule. Does David Tepper actually want to hire him? I don't know. And I'll go and say, like, if they're going to go and get a new head coach, get a young, like, do what everyone else is doing because it seems to work. It wasn't working out in Cincinnati until it was when it got Joe Burrow. But if you can get a young coordinator to pair with a young quarterback, whether that's Corral or somebody you want to draft, I'm totally fine with that. But, yeah, maybe Steve Wilkes gets an interview, but is it going to be a serious interview? Well, David Tepper, I would hope, smart enough to give him a real one considering, you know, he's suing the NFL. That is Steve Wilkes. So, I don't know. But let's take another quick pause here on Locked on Panthers, and I'll answer the rest of your questions here on this edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked on Panthers. Y'all, I've been telling you about Built Bar for well over a year now, and I love brownies. But do you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while I'm making brownies. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in it. Well... You're in luck because with Built Bar, their new creation, this is one that is better than ever. The Brownie Batter Puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now at Built.com. Have you tried the Built Bar Puffs yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate with 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. All Built Bar puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. So go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's uh, wrap up this edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag by answering well, more of your questions. Go to Kurt. Who has a question, of course, this week? He says, the Sean Payton slash Drew Brees rumors this week made me think, have you ever seen before in sports a team that is as irrelevant on the field slash court like the Panthers or one primetime game, bottom of the power rankings, et cetera, be involved in as many marquee headlines off the field slash court, Watson, Baker slash Jimmy G, Rock Hill, Brees, Payton, et cetera. You know, that's the thing. There's never a slow news day over there on uh, 800 South Mint Street when it comes to the Carolina Panthers organization. And you bring it up. They were well into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes there back in March. And as we know, he decided, thanks, but no thanks, as David Tepper, the man who you would imagine wouldn't let money get in the way, let money get in the way. And probably for a good reason, as we've seen more things come out about Deshaun Watson as there was details from one of his depositions that one of the masseuses cried after her session with Deshaun Watson. He later texted her to apologize. So that right there kind of tells you that maybe what they're saying might be true. I don't know. 22 people. That's a lot. Um, and it's more than that, too, that it came out and defended him. Really weird. That's not our problem. We have to deal with him. Well, not until at least maybe week one. Then Baker Mayfield, they try to trade for him. There's mutual disinterest. But on draft night, 
there was interest. And according to Joe Person, we talked to yesterday, the Browns only want to pay two or three million dollars of an eighteen point eight five eight million dollar contract. They haven't lost their damn mind if they think any team is that stupid. And maybe the Panthers will be desperate enough later on. But right now, that is insane to me that that was the situation. You have the Rock Hill debacle where they stopped construction. Then Rock Hill was in York County there in South Carolina. It was like, hey, here's a new deal. Panthers didn't respond. They're letting no legal matters come up. And then they said, no, thank you. And David Tepper won't answer about it as he's respecting the city of Rock Hill, who we blatantly ignored. He's respecting them by not bringing this out into the public. So you have that situation. You can even talk about the lack of a training facility for the soccer team here in Charlotte. And the, the lack of the academy and what's going on there at the Eastland Mall site. There's so many things involving Tepper Sports and Entertainment. You think about Tom Glick just randomly leaving. And then in February, you bring in Nick Kelly to be the CEO after being the uh, president of Charlotte FC. And in a couple, two weeks ago, he's now gone. Now the Breeze and Peyton stuff, the Breeze is nothing real. The Peyton might actually be real. But still, like, that is just a lot of headlines for a team that, according to the NFL schedule makers, is not relevant. So, no, I don't think I've really seen. Maybe with the Cleveland Browns in their dumpster fire of an organization that you've seen these kind of things. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a little unsettling. But the roster composition... I think has been strong this offseason. I believe in Scott Fitter and his ability to try and build this roster, but they still need to find a quarterback. And the offensive line really right now is a projection, especially the interior, but I think they've gone a long way to improve that unit. So, no, I have not seen this many headlines for the Panthers really ever. And, God, hell, I don't know, man. I mean, towards the end of the Jerry Richardson era, when that article came out, there was a lot going on headline-wise with the Carolina Panthers, like Danny Morrison, the former president, just leaving and what was going on. They had, like, no assistant GM. It's been it's been a roller coaster whirlwind, and hopefully we can finally just calm down here moving forward. And that might have to wait until after Matt Rule potentially, well, inevitably, as according to Alex, gets fired here in Carolina. All right, Jordan, how many coaches have been fired while coaching Baker Mayfield, and how does that help Matt Rule save his job? Straight into the point there, Jordan, with that question. I would count two. Hugh Jackson, who probably should have already been fired at doing a terrible job in Cleveland, what was it? 0 and 16, 1 and 15. He kept his job. How that's possible, I don't know. But hey, kudos to Hugh, who didn't try to come out and say that the uh, the family up there in who owns the Browns, um, Jimmy Haslam, that they were bribing him to not win games. Okay, um, well that there's nothing to it apparently. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, but a huge action. Then for whatever reason, they had Freddie Kitchen's country ass be the head coach because him and Baker had a good relationship. And then Freddie Kitchen's, and they have the, the whole Miles Garrett situation where he clubs Rock Hill native Mason um, Rudolph's head there on national TV with his own helmet, which is still a wild situation. And Adam Schefter is like, assault! <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was. <laughs> Just, I mean, oh my God. I, it, I don't know if Rudolph actually said anything to him. If he did, and he, you know, he got what was coming. But either way, that was just insane. And then Freddie Kitchen's going to the movie theater. I think it was Thanksgiving weekend on Black Friday, wearing a Pittsburgh started it sweatshirt. Like, how juvenile is this? Like, aren't you supposed to be the adult? I mean, they're all adults, but come on, man. So he was terrible. And now Kevin Stefanski, who's actually done a great job in Cleveland. His first year got him to the playoffs. First time in a long time that's happened in the last year. As Baker was injured, they lost OBJ, also traded him away and all that kind of stuff. They came back to, well, typical Browns level. So two coaches so far, 
But if you watch Baker and I, Nick Carboni, who's been on the show before, sports director over at WCNC in Charlotte, going in with him every once in a while on TV, um, every Sunday after Sunday Night Football uh, throughout the fall, he was tweeting out, was like, he doesn't understand how people don't think that Baker is a major upgrade over Sam Darnold. Like, have y'all not seen the two of them play? The only people who don't like Baker Mayfield are people who don't like his personality. Okay, fine. He doesn't have the greatest personality. I guess he, you know, he's he's got the underdog mentality. That's why he's even at this point. You might not love that, but he's not here if he doesn't have that chip on his shoulder. Maybe he needs to tone it down a little bit. Certainly, I would agree with that. But he's way better than Sam Darnold. Way better. Darnold's been absolutely terrible throughout his entire career. The first four years, Baker has been way better than that. So getting a better quarterback should help save Matt Rule's job. Hugh Jackson was always cooked. Freddie Kitchens did it to himself. None of that was Baker Mayfield's fault in his first two seasons. Come on, man. Um, all right, Josh, is there any remaining free agents that you would like to see the Panthers pick up that could complete this roster? I personally like Clowney, but I know he's expensive. I know this team isn't a Super Bowl team or anything like that, but I think with somewhat confident quarterback play, we can be a playoff team. I know I don't disagree with you at all there, Josh. Uh, it looks like Jadavian Clowney is going to likely end up back in Cleveland. Um, he's still waiting. And the Panthers are still in the market to bring in a veteran quarterback. And if Cleveland only wanted to pay $3 million of an $18 million salary, that's when they want Carolina to play, pay fifteen. If they can somehow get half and half there with Baker Mayfield, or if they find a way to get Jimmy Garoppolo like that with the salary cap, they're not going to be able to afford to bring someone in like that. And Joe Person was also saying that Damian Wilson should was probably going to play. Just he would be if he's not on the roster, I think it would be based off of performance and based off his performance last year. I would imagine he'd be on the roster this upcoming season. So for me, um, it looks like they're going to be fine at linebacker and at wide receiver. They brought in a ton of UDFAs. They have they looked uh, they have ninety guys on the roster right now. So it seems like they're as of right now content with what they have. And they might bring in a quarterback, but I don't think they're going to bring in anybody else um, until they decide whether they want to bring in a veteran or not at the quarterback position. Uh, Harvey, uh, he says, I want to know why is it that ESPN and big national media always have such a low opinion of us? Even when we went 15-1, they picked us to lose almost every week or hyped up the other team every time. Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. It's That year was a weird year because I was working at ESPN Radio at the time. I'm up there in Bristol every week, and Panthers having a great season. They beat Seattle, and it's like, oh, wow, this is real. The 5-0 start, you beat a team that you have not been able to get over the hump against. And then every time I turn on the TV there on ESPN, they're talking about the NFC East and how bad the NFC East is. It's like, guys, Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton are having a Sunday giveaways. They're posing for team pictures. They have the number one offense with Ted Ginn, Billy Brown, Greg Olson, who obviously is great, um, Devin Funches, a loss who you thought was their top receiver in Kelvin Benjamin for the season to an ACL. And the defense is awesome. You got Luke Keekley flying all over the place. Oh, they had 10 pro bowlers that year in the conversations, the NFC East. It's just, I mean, it's the market, man. It's Charlotte. And look, I'm wearing my Charlotte shirt. I'm a Charlotte born raised, man. I love the city. And I, and I don't really look at us as underdogs, but just, that's the way things work. If you, with the NFL, if you're not in the NFC East and you're not like the Steelers or have this marquee kind of quarterback, like Mahomes out there in Kansas City, and they're kind of a legacy franchise too. Um, it's you just don't get the headlines. <laughs> Tennessee was the number one seed last year, and they got the same kind of treatment. Now there was was a little bit different because I I even looked at that and I was like, come, do you really believe in Ryan Tannehill? Like Cam was a damn MVP. 
in, hey, they've been bad for four years. The last two years have not been encouraging. And Matt Rule, a lot of people here especially want him gone. So why would the national – like, they are they don't feel any differently than the fan base feels about the team, at least this season. So – but you go back to 15-1, and one, you, and you bring up a, a valid point there. So I don't really think it's that they have really any different opinion of the team currently that anyone else has here who follows the team, if we're being honest with ourselves. Like, it's – like a lot of us looked at the schedule last week. It was like, mm. I had people commenting when I did the live show saying, oh, and 17, one and 16, three and 14. So fans are saying that. And maybe a lot of those people are probably just joking around, but the national media, their opinions aren't much different than how a lot of people feel about this organization at this point in time. All right, two more. Matthew, uh, what defense does Phil Snow run? I've heard three, three, five and three, four. And what other free agent? Should we or should we be looking at to help stop the run? Yeah, the Panthers defense with Phil Snow is he's been multiple. He's gone a lot of odd man fronts, like three man. He's gone a lot of four man fronts. We've even seen two man front. Like he doesn't really have it's just a set base. Like we've seen Shaq Thompson be the lone linebacker there in the middle before. He'll play all sorts of coverages. He likes to play mainly man. And of course, he likes to get after the pass or be creative with that. Sin safety blitzes, sin linebacker blitzes. It's it's interesting what he does. So it's not it's not just a base three four, or base three three five, or base four three. It's it's all over the board with with uh, Phil Snow, which is what just makes watching that defense, especially early in the year before they kind of got exposed against the run, so fun with all that speed. Now who's going to stop the run for this team this year? You got to hope Derek Brown improves. You got to hope that guys like maybe Phil Hoskins can step up and be run stopper. Same thing with Bravion Roy, Matt Ioannidis, who they brought in. At this point in time, though, I don't think they're really looking to bring in any more people there in the middle. And we can see after cutdown in uh, September who's available on the waiver wire, and that might be someone that they might bring in. But right now, I just don't really think there's any free agents that they're looking at and being like, yeah, that's the guy who's going to come in here and, and help us stop. Like, and Damakon Sue, he's available. So if they want to go after Sue, if he want to come here, he's likely probably going to go back to Tampa. That would be cool. Final question from Brody. He's asking who you keep in Charleston Rambo or Brandon Zil- Zilstra. He says, I'm keeping both. Okay, so the Panthers, we're looking at their wide receiver core. What did they keep? Five guys last year coming out of camp? If you're looking at it, DJ's on the roster, Robbie's on the roster, Terrace Marshall's on the roster. Um, I would guess Rashard Higgins will make the roster. Now, David Moore, we thought would make the roster last year. That didn't happen. But they brought him in also to be like a special teams guy. And as a returner, he just didn't show nearly enough to make the team. Um, I would guess he would be on the roster. Zilstra, for what he's done special teams-wise, is going to be on the roster here in Carolina, I would guess. And then after that, you're kind of going between Shai Smith if he's back on the team. You're looking at guys like CJ Saunders, um, Charleston Rambo, who you mentioned. Like I would say Shai, probably, since they invested in him. Maybe Rambo can make the practice squad, and he looked good. Last year at Miami, was an explosive player when he played – at Oklahoma, but at this point in time, I'm not looking at him and thinking that, like, yeah, he's gonna make the roster. Like, the thing is, like, who can make plays for this team on special teams at that one, those positions? And we already have seen in the NFL that Brandon Zilster can do that. And he can even step up and be an emergency kicker if you need him. Hopefully, that won't be the case now that Johnny Hecker is here. But he even when called upon to be our third receiving option last year, he helped make plays. So, I, I think Brandon Zilster is gonna be on the team once again here in Carolina. All right, that's it for this edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked on Panthers. Again, to participate next week, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council and either at me, DM me, or 
Leave a comment on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday show next week on the show here on Lockdown Panthers over on YouTube. And be sure to subscribe to every uh, on our, to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single show, whether it be a live stream or anything else that we do special here on Lockdown Panthers. Make sure to watch it there. You can check out every episode on all the traditional podcasting platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, or whatever else is there. Just make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show so you can sync or watch or listen to every episode of Locked On Panthers. In the meantime, it's a great weekend. It's a hot weekend down here in the South, and I hope that you guys stay cool, you stay safe, you keep pounding, and of course, I will talk to you on Monday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.